You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. This is Dean Basil. This is Chris. This is Sarah. And Shree. All, all four of us. All four, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about this concept which is present within a lot of sort of modern psychology. And this concept of, actually gets a pretty bad name in certain um, Catholic circles. And this is mindfulness. Yeah, basically if you do it, you get possessed by the devil. That's so, the argument, yeah. Exactly. Uh, end of podcast. Right? Yeah, there you go. No, no, that's it. No, 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 no. Um, but that's, you know, one of the things that at least I hear on a regular basis outside of therapy of people asking questions about mindfulness, what it is. Um, if it's kosher. If, if it's kosher. If it's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so what we wanted to do today was talk a little bit about what it is mm-hmm. and where it com- comes from. If we as Catholics can do it, and then you know, how we do it, how we do it, <laughs> it's a spoiler alert. There. Yeah, and, um, um, and 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 maybe some talk even more about Christian meditation and some of our own. You know, Deacon, you can speak. You and Sherry can speak to some of the Christian meditative traditions. You know? Absolutely, absolutely. So, what is mindfulness? Now, I know Chris, you. Um, we actually talked about this podcast before we started recording it. Um, so, Guys, that's really impressive. Right, it's, just it's, so it's you know. Preferred. Yeah, we want to do our homework. <laughs> but um, what is Mindfulness. You had a quote about it. Yeah. Uh, mindfulness. Here's the definition of mindfulness given by John Kabat-Zinn, one of the big names in the contemporary field. He says, Mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. I like it. Can you read that again for those deacons that weren't listening to that situ- uh, that reading right there? Yeah, deceptively simple here. He says, mindfulness means paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. So it's paying attention, and there's like three sub-parts, right? Paying attention on purpose, paying attention in the present moment, and paying attention non-judgmentally. Um, let's break those down a little bit. Let's break those down. Let's say to our listeners first that... Mindfulness has a long history mm-hmm. in philosophy, Eastern philosophy, and it originally derives from Buddhist concepts, right? So, like, you know, there's the Eightfold Path in most schools of Buddhism, and one of those eight prongs is um, sati, I think is the word. It means, like, right mindfulness. And from that, these modern practitioners have distilled and derived this secularized form of it. So in a way, it's kind of like yoga and that it has some Eastern religious or philosophical roots, but it's been kind of westernized. And so that that alone is a point of contention. Actually, you know, I think you might even have some people that say not only can a Catholic not do mindfulness, but actually Westerners shouldn't do mindfulness. So there's you know, all different opinions about this. But here we are now in the 20th century and mindfulness is transformed from one of the eightfold uh, aspects of the eightfold path into a secular intervention for anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's being used in psychology, particularly, um, you know, within the last probably, what, 20 years. Um, yeah, you know, I was surprised to see how long ago John Kabat-Zinn has been doing MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, but it, like, 
yeah, within the last two decades, like wildfire, it became right. mm-hmm. this huge buzzword. Yeah. So he was yeah. kind of like quietly doing it like throughout the 80s and 90s. And like, you know, people were kind of into it. But then like, boom, now you can't go anywhere. I feel like mindfulness was like the time person of the year. You know? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I can't go anywhere. For the 2000s. Well, he started it to help with um, heart problems, right? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he was working like in a cardiac wing, helping oh, wow. um, patients who had suffered heart attacks and strokes just regulate their stress levels, so they wouldn't have these repeat oh, episodes. Oh, I didn't know it. He yeah. has a PhD. I think in I remember that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, I think the reason for that is that a lot of the research around stress is actually been taking place in cardiac. Uh, mm-hmm. clinics because stress if taken to an extreme yeah. heart attack heart disease those kinds of mm-hmm. things yeah. can be associated with it it's just you're so amped up for so long mm-hmm. that your right. heart yeah. um, gives out gives out in some ways and so it's particularly important especially in post um, operative uh, uh, cardiac patients to then have um, some stress relief reduction. Um, totally. It's like the type A personality, the first, uh, yeah. there was re- that research about um, the, the people who came up with the idea of the um, type A personality. Um, they were cardiologists, and it was because, <laughs> actually it, was, it wasn't that they were cardiologists, it was that it was, um, it was their reupholsterer for their waiting room chairs that pointed out why yes, are they all is. wearing out? Um, yeah, you haven't read this? That's amazing. That, that, that the chair would wear out on the arms very quickly in very specific ways and right at the edge of the chair because huh. people were sitting there completely amped up. Oh. And so they're talking about the kind of personality type that goes to a cardiac clinic because they struggle mm-hmm. with cardiac issues and have been utilizing similar things to mindfulness, right. maybe not mindfulness in its, in its fullest sense, but they've been using those kind of stress relief uh, techniques very effectively for, oh, for yeah. quite a long time. Yeah, progressive mm-hmm. muscle relaxation. And Absolutely. Like that. Yeah, so mindfulness now, I mean, it, that's really cool to know its history, but I think it's evolved into really a, a, one of the mainline treatments for anxiety. That's what I mostly yeah. hear. Yes. I, I, I mostly hear about mindfulness in, in the context of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Because anxiety is typically associated with your thoughts and your emotions living in the future and worrying about the what ifs mm. and the what's happening next mm-hmm. and how can I control this? What can I do about X, Y, Z? And just being so uh, fueled by adrenaline and anticipation that you can't be in the present. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that it's two things it, that the minds typically has a really hard time staying in the present and mm-hmm. it's only capable of thinking of two things of the future mm-hmm. and the what ifs or of the past. Yeah. And I should have done. I should have done this or what if I've done that? Mm-hmm. What if things have gone differently? Yep. And and reminiscing on that and the brain has a really hard time f- on the present moment and there's many reasons for that that we can probably get into later. Yeah, that's right. We're we're mm-hmm. almost never anxious about things that are happening right now. We can be fearful mm-hmm. of things that are happening right now, like if you're being chased by something or whatever, but anxiety is about the past or the future. And so, yeah, for, 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 for my clients, too, I give them that same spiel. I say, you know, like, let's practice being present. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the best ways to do that is to tune into your five external senses. Mm-hmm. That's where mm-hmm. I start. It's really... So here's the thing with mindfulness. It, we've put a name. We've put We've attached a fancy name to something that's like... Um, everyday sense. like mm-hmm. operation of a human being like an everyday human activity yeah yes but I but I think with even technology nowadays 
that's becoming less and less. So I don't know if your experience, Chris, with working with kids, yeah. but when, especially now that I've been working <clears throat> with some teenagers, yes, and when I tell them, like, you need to relax a little bit more and kind of be still, they're like, I don't know how to do that. Or that feels really uncomfortable. Why? Mm -hmm. Because every single second is taken up by something. They're never in the present moment, ever, yeah. at all. Because they have their cell phone in their hand? Is that what... Yeah, they're, they're, just... they're focused on something else besides yeah. the present moment. Mm -hmm. and, and they feel like they always have to be doing something. They always have to be stimulated. Or even when they are doing something, they're doing multiple things. Mm -hmm. Right. Listening to music, scrolling on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. Watching Netflix. Texting their friends. So yeah. telling them to do nothing besides just be reflective on the present moment is just like... Terrifying. Almost terrifying and almost impossible for their brain to do. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's normal. Yeah. And that's normal. Um, yeah, so in the depression episode, we talked about depression being the common cold of psychiatry. Actually, for the younger generation, for the Gen, what is it, gen Z, I, yeah. Gen... I prefer Z, but yeah. <laughs> uh, generation Z, their common cold is anxiety. Anxiety rates mm -hmm. are really, yeah. really high among, like, you know, um, people, kids now in their teens and early yeah. teens. Unbelievably high. Um, and when I work with some of the, my clients, I tell them, like, you know, you don't think about it like this, but relaxation is a skill. You have to mm -hmm. practice it. Just like you have to practice shooting hoops or whatever, making three-pointers, mm -hmm. like, doing whatever, you know. Um, and so the first few times you do it, it's so hard. Yeah. And it's hard for anyone. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a muscle. And that's one of the things I like most about mindfulness is that in the best cases what you're all you're really doing is you're flexing that prefrontal cortex mm -hmm. to get it a little bit stronger so yeah. you can tolerate longer doses of silence and um, contemplative mm -hmm. you know um, yeah present presentness and that is a skill that can be utilized in every aspect of life not just in um not just in dealing with anxiety oh, absolutely I mean, yeah that's what i think a lot of us struggle with in prayer Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that inability to focus during prayer oh, yeah. or um, the inability during conversations um, not that not that we as therapists are ever daydreaming about future things during <laughs> sessions or anything but but this ability to to focus oh, right. uh, I, I think using that image of a muscle is that we can develop those kinds of muscles in many ways yeah absolutely and and I don't know about you guys but I notice if I don't practice it often or regularly when I go back to like prayer I find that I'm having a harder time than maybe the last time I went into it if I haven't been consistent with that of staying focused and it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person or that God doesn't want to speak to me or anything like that it just means I'm out of practice out of out of practice and that ability to connect and be present absolutely and, and here's another take on that too um in trauma theory you know, there's an idea that in the modern world, our set point, our nervous system set point is mm -hmm. at, at the brink of fight or flight, like yeah. most of the time for most people, mm -hmm. because uh, we don't, you know, we, we, you know, praise, praise be to God, we don't often encounter disasters, but what we do encounter in our day to day is that constant low level stress. 
uh, the stress of work, the stress of family life, the traffic, constant, yeah. everything. The modern world is replete with <laughs> yes. stress, and so, and so you you actually have to wonder if it's part of the like modern condition. Like Sarah, you read that Walker Percy quote in the from Lost in the Cosmos, where he's like, "Yeah, of course, like be depressed. That's like the modern That's the re response to this crazy, reaction. you know, messed up world." <laughs> and so, so too with anxiety, it's like this is your this is your set point. This is what your normal is, mm -hmm. and now someone is asking you to be still. And yeah. to, to be okay with that mm -hmm. quiet. <laughs> right? Like, all of a sudden your body starts reacting in a way and you start to itch. Maybe it's your head, your leg, your arm, whatever. Nose. Your nose. Your nose, Stay yeah. Stay still. Stay still. It's okay. Nope. I wonder <laughs> if, like, I actually wonder, it would be so interesting to do research on this and see, like, why some people avoid the mass and see if they just generally can't attend to any sort of, like, prolonged... Um, stimulus yeah. for an hour or more. The liturgy in, in my Maronite church is sometimes two hours long. Yeah. It can be very long too in the Eastern rites, a uh, Byzantine rite. Well, it all depends on how how, uh, how, how long, long the, the preacher is. <laughs> but I think that's interesting because, you know, what I hear a lot of is, um, especially when I, when I was working as a youth minister in the Roman church, it was all about like, well, mass is boring. Yeah. yeah. But is it life is boring? Life is boring. Yeah. Is that what they were really saying? True fact. Well, right. why are we bored? That's a good question to ask. Like, what makes us bored? It's the feeling that we could be doing something, something better with our time. Yeah. So that the thing that we are doing now is not worthy of our attention. Yeah, yeah or, but then look at what you choose to do when you have that time sure. to do something better. Yeah. And then weigh that against the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Right. Or during the Mass, we're focused on other things besides the Mass. Like, there's so much going on, really, that we don't know what to focus on. Right. Absolutely. Times ten in yeah. the Eastern <laughs> Liturgy. Yeah, in the Eastern Liturgy, but... Right. And then we get distracted, and we feel like we don't get anything out of it, and then we're bored, and then well, we feel like we don't go. One of the reasons why we need beautiful liturgies, I mean, to the Church's credit, the Church... And her wisdom seems to understand a little bit of human psychology. You need to activate all five senses. Yeah. So think about that liturgy. You smell the incense. Mm -hmm. You see the icons and the vestments and the activity. Mm -hmm. You hear and yeah. sing. The, you hear the music. Yeah. Um, you taste the sure. Eucharist, Eucharist, the yeah. precious blood and the body of our Lord. Um, what am I missing? You move. Yeah, you, you move. Feel. You, feel, you feel, feel. Yeah, yeah you feel feel the icons, you feel your fingers. Your you neighbor's move. hand, the kiss of peace, you know, everything. But I would even say, like, as a mindfulness exercise potential, then every time you go into liturgy or mass, whatever form you're attending, that you pick one sense to focus on. So the whole time you're focused on, okay, what am I all, what am I touching mm -hmm. during this whole mass? Maybe it's the book. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's your hands. Maybe it's your rosary or your it, prayer beads. Rosary, prayer beads, the pew, whatever. You just focus on everything that you're touching. And then maybe you focus on sight, smell, mm. taste. It's like, what incense are they using this week? Well, like you're hearing, there, right? But yeah. then you, you start there, but then, you know, ideally you also want to move from the senses to the intellect, to like contemplation sure. of divine things. Yeah. So if you kind of stay stuck on the accidentals, the externals for the whole mass, then you, yeah, yeah maybe it helps ground you or whatever, but you might be also missing. But I guess mass. I'm saying it's not so much about exactly what you should do for mass, but as a way to practice mindfulness oh, sure. in your everyday life. Mm -hmm. So maybe even you do it for 
20, 10 minutes yeah. of, the, of mass, right? But a way to be like, okay, how can I practice mindfulness? Because we're talking about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And that's one way to do that. Yeah, and, and, and I think the point that we're talking about kind of around right now is that mindfulness is a human thing. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have sort of spiritual connotations to it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times people are concerned about you know whether Catholics can be mind you know can use mindfulness yeah. exercises or if that's going to have some kind of spiritual characteristic to it. Catholics are using mindfulness exercises all the time. Right. We might not just be calling them mindfulness exercises. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my argument too. I I have, you know, close friends. Shout out to my one Thomas buddy that always like sends me messages about why mindfulness is bad. <laughs> Love you, bro. But my argument is really that it's you can secularize it. It's not intrinsically tied mm-hmm. to say a Buddhist metaphysics. So right, this is his argument is right. that is that so the Buddhist metaphysics is more like the metaphysics of Heraclitus. Like everything is in flux. There's no substance. But for a, a you know for for a Thomist, obviously you know he's going to want to say no. Like there are true substances in the world. In fact, we need that metaphysics to understand transubstantiation, and we can't just lose ourselves in the world of sensory uh, experience, but we, we need to um, perceive with our intellect, with our noose, perceive the, the, the essences of things. But I don't think that mindfulness as a practical exercise obscures that. Well, and... Go back then to, to simply pretend like, like that metaphysics... Uh, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> you can so quickly get into quietism. Okay. With that approach. The quietism is the, just the complete emptiness of it. And I right. think we have to be very, very careful of that. Yeah. This is what this is what the Hesychasts were always accused of, is that they completely emptied themselves. Oh. That's very Buddhist. Is, That's yeah. very but, but, Hindu. Yeah. Absolutely. But mindfulness is not about emptiness. Emptying, yeah. It's correct. It's about an experience in the moment. Now, perhaps mm-hmm. in its fullness, um, Buddhist practice, it was a, a um, practice of complete emptiness. Mm-hmm. But... And I don't even know if that's true or not, mm-hmm. um, but not that that's not what the secular version that we're talking about, or perhaps the Christian version that we're mm-hmm. also yeah. talking about. That's right. not what it's about. Correct. Sure. Yeah. Now it, it's a we as an olive branch to this friend, we we can agree. <laughs> if you do practice a form of meditation that essentially strips the world of all essences and plunges you into the void then mm-hmm. that's problematic. Right. That's yeah. anti-Christian. Yes, and I would say a Christian version of that is that you enter a state of mindfulness and present moment awareness in order to be filled by the presence of God and notice the presence of God within yourself. Yes, Amen. I yeah, really like absolutely. that. And that's exactly what hesychasm is all about, by the by, as well. Can you speak yeah. a little bit to that, Deacon? Uh, talk about hesychasm and what, what are some similarities you notice between hesychastic prayer and mindfulness as it's understood by, say, John Kabat-Zinn? Are there Did any? Did you say St. John Kabat-Zinn? <laughs> no. Say, perhaps. Oh, oh sorry. Perhaps. I'm sorry. That <laughs> no. Was a, no, that was a, uh, um, uh, what, what kind of slip? A Theravadian uh, slip. Well, <laughs> no, so um, hesychasm, just as kind of an explanation of it, hesychasm was, is basically the this foundation of, of Eastern Catholic or Eastern Christian um, spirituality, and this is not Far Eastern Christianity. This is actually um, the Middle Eastern and and uh, Byzantine and uh, Eastern European, Eastern European and 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 Middle Eastern Russian practice. Yes, and so what um, what it was was that this this phenomena was happening to the monks during um, their prayer of the of the, the during what they would 
later called the Jesus Prayer. You know, they'd be praying the Jesus Prayer on a regular basis. And they would have these moments, these experiences of um, God in these very sort of deep experiences of, of the Jesus Prayer. And it was that mm -hmm. moment of not being taken out of the body, but rather being experience, the experience of what we call the uncreated light, which is grace, which is the Holy Spirit, oh, so cool. in the body. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the body is bad, it's that it's the mm -hmm. body is actually being deified in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, why, this is why the transfiguration, mm -hmm. which happened on Mount Tabor, by the way, um, the <laughs> Actually, it didn't, but we don't have to mention that. But it could have. It could have. We say it did, but okay, anyways. But that it's that experience that Christ showed us what we can become in the body, in the moment, in time, in that way. This is why God became incarnate. This is why he took on a body and took on the human form. With sense organs. Right. Yes. Yeah. And experiences of that. And so, how the sort of typical hesychastic prayer method, and, and, and I use this in therapy as um, basically where, where I, would, where I would say mindfulness practices. We use the hesychastic prayer um, practice. And so, it's, it's, it's you pray the Jesus prayer, which is just Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, and we just pray that over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you do it with the breath because yes. you do it in the body. And you do it with the tongue moving because the it's in the body eventually it will go and with the eyes and gazing at the icon for example if you have an icon right. that wouldn't be a typical saint gregory of sinai really? way of doing it but you're, you're absolutely right you would in, you you could incorporate that you could incorporate incense right. in. i'm just but the whole idea is to do it um <laughs> unceasingly 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 yeah. but but well yes that that is the long-term practice yes. but actually saint gregory of sinai would say that it's intensive moments where you do it in where you pray the jesus prayer and then thoughts will come mm. yeah. and 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 we have to be careful with this and, yeah. and go back to the Evagrian, the Evagrius um, <laughs> podcast to, to listen to this. But the, the thoughts are also the demons, okay. you know, and that the, they will come and you notice them and push them off okay. with the sign of the cross. Okay. Mm -hmm. can, and so those in, moments of intense prayer we, is, is an intentional to practice sure. that. Can we talk about those thoughts a little bit more? Because I feel yeah. like many people and probably our listeners are wondering like, yeah, I sit down and practice mindfulness meditation and all these thoughts come flooding and I'm thinking about everything and anything. And what do I do with that? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously it's not working because I can't still my mind. And yeah. I, I don't know how much I, I don't know. I don't specifically tell my clients, well, all your thoughts are demons or right <laughs> i mean i do but i you know maybe we can i like that i like that here sheree's the weird one because she doesn't tell her clients the thoughts are the demons like, like that says a lot about our the tone of our group okay. yeah but but kind of an idea of, of yeah of what to do with them right. in in that moment, and it being okay. Well, I think that gets back to that quote from um, Zinn about the mm -hmm. idea of it's non-judgmental. Right. Now, now sure. we have those, I mean, we as Christians can say that, you know, impure thoughts are, we can be judgmental, but, but I think, or, or, or some thoughts, but I think the problem is, is that when you get fixated on the thought, yeah. mm -hmm. where you're noticing it and you're like, you can, you can notice it, 
and then you can fixate on it, and then you can judge yourself and hate yourself for having, having it. it. Yes. It's like, oh my gosh, that, I can't believe I just thought I that mean, about that person. I'm so terrible. I right. should be Christian and kind. Right. I shouldn't right. even think mean things like that. And you flagellate. I mean, but but yeah. using my using my model, then. Your model? The, Your well, model. I'm just trying to be nice. Gregory's. But um, <laughs> deep basil of Agrian model. The ba- yeah, the, the mm-hmm. bazillion of Agrian model. Yeah. Um, that that if that's the case, then you're actually giving the demons more power. Yeah. Sure. In that regard. Yeah, and I I agree with that idea. Yeah. Um, and even. I love to quote Matthew 7, 1, and it says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Oh, wow. So, kind of telling us, like, don't judge yourself. Like, cool. in that present moment, don't judge yourself. That's be kind to yourself. personal. Yeah. Yeah, that's really And cool. we, sometimes we're even good at being like, well, I shouldn't judge others. I try not to judge others. But we're horribly judgmental to, towards ourselves. Why do we deserve that? Yeah, that's always the question. Now, um... You know, we want to also, I mean, I want to also issue another caveat that, like, taken to an extreme, I could see this aspect of mindfulness also being dangerous. Because while we don't judge ourselves Mm -hmm. or others, only God can judge souls, we're certainly in a position to judge the moral value of of actions, right? Right. And that's sort of one of the ways we evaluate our lives. And so, you know, if you were sort of trying to be kind of zen and you were, you know, sitting on a hillside contemplating the, the flowers and then you saw you know, a burning building and like people running out of it and you were like, Oh yes, I see the I see the, the crimson hues coming out from the amber wood. Like, no, you wanna jump into action sure. here because you're a human being and virtue depends on you being active, at least in some circumstances. So, you know, judge or, not sure. the person. Or even a different form of contemplation would be like, um, in the evening kind of going over your day and even having that kind of moral sensitivity judgment of like how how did i do like where did i sit and mm-hmm. you know and and having that but but some self-compassion but self-compassion right. as well that you're not a horrible person because you've done this that's the ignatian examination of yes conscience. exactly so. that's exactly what i was Which, referring to great, uh, great yeah for, i mean there's so much in ignatius that oh, i think yeah. goes even beyond any mindfulness but we'll put in the show notes sure but wanting to go back to those thoughts and the idea of, yes, we don't want to fixate on any thoughts that come in, but when the thoughts do come in, we don't, I don't particularly like using the word pushing them out or pushing them away because then it makes it already feel like something bad or negative that you have to get rid of. Right. And I don't like using that because that typically makes people feel bad or feel like they're judging themselves already. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea of letting it come and even asking, you can ask yourself, is this something that I need to give attention to? Like a burning building, mm-hmm. right? And if not, kind of let it flow away, mm-hmm. refocus on something else, you know, maybe to the presence of God within you or whatever you're choosing to focus on yeah. or um, be present to. And then when the next thoughts come away, do the same thing and then let it float away and then kind of come back. And I love the vocabulary that you used right there. Um, yeah. The difference between pushing something away and letting something flow away. Right. Like, when you push something away, that makes it feel like you're forcing something, like you're putting yeah. an action on something. Just mm-hmm. letting something flow away is letting something just drift away on the breeze. Which or, it's naturally doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. It's like, already it's, on the path. To that it right. naturally like goes it away. Blew, blew in, it'll yep. blow out. In its own time. 
You're not trying to force anything. This too shall You're pass. being gentle with yourself. Gentle breeze. And, yep. and I think that that's, I, I actually like that. Um, I just, as point of contrast, want to say sure. that that is not a patristic view of, of, of things. <laughs> um, because they say, chase down those demons with the sign of the cross. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, by, by way of contrast. Well, so I don't. There is that. And I don't. They can but we're not all desert fathers, okay? Well, no, no, even just, so w with the power of the intellect alone, I think that the most we can do is let them drift. But with the power of the cross, we can chase them down. Mm -hmm. yes. And so that's exactly what the Desert Fathers had that the secular mindfulness practitioners don't have is the power of the cross. Mm. That I is think, a good I point. think that's really interesting because, but, but what else is interesting about that, and Shuri, I'd be curious your thoughts about this, yeah. is it's also using a physical um, thing for the person in that moment to also just name that. Yeah. And then to push it past. Right. Is, is how it would do it. But it would be to allow that to, mm -hmm. to take place. The, the, so, it, it still brings it into the body. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and through, through the sign of the cross, like the physical sure. sign of the cross. And I don't know exactly how that would look like if you grab a cross and try to right. thrust it right. towards your thoughts or anything like right. that. But I, but I would say a lot of times I even instruct my clients who are practicing mindfulness of just sit in front of in front of the cross right. and I can kind of see that um, mental gesture in a way if you're sitting in front of the cross practicing that kind mm -hmm. of mindfulness well even the physical gesture of making the sign of the cross father son and holy spirit with yeah. your hands touching your heart and your shoulders like bringing yourself back to where you are in the moment mm -hmm. With holy water, it's even more sure, sensory. Sure, yes. You know, yeah. But, focusing, but on focusing on the water, right? Like, right. let's bring it even more mindful. Like, focus on the water. Focus on... The meaning of the cross, your, the meaning of the holy water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of what's being present and going on right in that moment. Yeah. Um, Shuri, the thing you said about thoughts reminds me... I mean, I've been bringing this up a lot with clients lately oh, yeah. because I have some clients that are tough self-critics. Oh, yeah. And... Um, St. Thomas Aquinas has some really great insights about the relationship between reason and the emotions. He says, if reason tries to rule the emotions the way a despot or a dictator tries to rule their mm -hmm. subjects, what will happen is the, uh, the subjects will rebel with an even greater vengeance. Mm -hmm. And s same with the emotions. If yeah. you try to banish them away with the intellect, they will come back and take over. If yeah. you cooperate with them, then you can have harmony in the kingdom. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like with the thoughts, you know, you can probably drive yourself into a whole new neuroses when you try to beat them away with a yeah. stick every time they come up. And that that's actually exactly why I don't like to words push away, you know, try to not think about something or try to get rid of thoughts. Don't think don't don't think about pink yeah. elephants. Because yeah, right. because <laughs> because what happens is, and I even tell my clients, what happens if you try to stop thinking about something, if you try to push those thoughts away with reason, they're like, I keep telling myself all these reasons what I'm thinking and feeling is wrong and it gets heightened. Right? Mm -hmm. It comes back oh, with totally. a vengeance. Totally. It gets worse. It everywhere. Yeah, it gets worse. It's and like you, you Google something, and then all you're seeing on Facebook is ads for that thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like you say, it, you say it out loud, and your phone's near you. Yeah. And you're like, did my phone? Yeah, I yeah. swear that that. I happens. swear that's the thing too. But um, yeah, so but, having that, you know, that gentleness with yeah. yourself, I think, is important. Um, one other interesting criticism of mindfulness, before we say more nice things about it, is. Um, 
There is some research that suggests that people who are people who have narcissistic traits, if they practice mindfulness mm -hmm. meditation regularly, can potentially increase those narcissistic traits, or at the sure. very least. De uh, not cultivate empathy. So, right, one of the selling points of, of mindfulness for a while was that people were like, oh, you know, give it to kids and adolescents mm -hmm. will make them more empathic. Well, not necessarily, because sure. there can be a sense in which it's very center focused. And if you're not um, evaluating your thoughts positively or negatively, then you're going to accept whatever ones come, including yeah. the ones that feed that narcissism. Right. So. Yeah. Here's an easy solution. Don't be a narcissist. Well, that requires <laughs> a whole other podcast. Yeah, we can talk about personality disorders Ooh. and yeah. put it on the list. Access, access and, and how to, you know, in a Christian way, approach mm -hmm. them and <gasps> be in relation with them. Saints with neuroses. Oh, that'd be yeah. fun. All right. Sorry. But, um, so yeah. back on track, let's be mindful. Mindfulness, I mean, so we, our, the general consensus in our group is that it's okay for a Catholic to practice mindfulness, correct? Yeah. With a caveat. Sure. And I would like to caveat this really quick. Okay. If you are uncomfortable as a client, if you're going to a therapist and they recommend mindfulness and you're uncomfortable with that, then you are within your rights to bring that up and to discuss that with your therapist. Oh, yeah. and, and, totally. and you are not bound by obligation to do mindfulness just because you heard about it on a podcast or your therapist told you to do it. No, it's such if you're uncomfortable with it, then, then perhaps that's something to, to bring up and, mm -hmm. and discuss in therapy in general. Yeah. But I, I also, I mean, I, there are certain groups within the church that are very much against mindfulness, but very often they don't have a developed understanding of what it is. Sure. Or they think mindfulness is just that Eastern Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist kind yeah. of mentality. And, well, yeah. yeah. We, we have this idea, you know, of despoiling the earth and like all the goods, all the true and beautiful and good things developed by other traditions are amenable to baptism. They can be mm -hmm. taken in the way the early church took in mm -hmm. some of the pagan philosophers and said, oh, yeah, we'll, t we'll take those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're ours now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and Aristotle. Plato, Plato, oh, um, yeah. all of Plotinus, and and actually one of my uh, my former spiritual director of, of happy memory, um, his name was Father Raymond Garonsky. Um, he, uh, you didn't know that? No, I'm reading his book right now. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Um, That's dead, but I wish I had met him. Well, you can meet, you can see Deacon Basil in the flesh anytime you want. He, he unfortunately, he was, <laughs> he was instrumental. Um, but anyways, he um. He maintained that Buddhism was the height of human wisdom. Mm. Yes. I just read that, actually. But Christianity, and, and this is the important caveat, mm -hmm. Christianity is the height of divine wisdom. Yes. And you can't become whole if you stay only at the human level. Right. Because Holy. of his... He had this like beautiful passage mm -hmm. about how the individual is sacrificed for the sake of... The absolute, and that's absolute with a capital A. If you can't hear that in my voice, um, and how, <laughs> and how that was the difference between um, the Christian understanding of God and divinity and the Buddhist understanding of divinity, and the absolute um, took in everything and it couldn't have individuality. Everything was equal and everything was the same, and that. In order to reach that state of divinity, you had to sacrifice the I, the self, 
and in Christianity, it is the self that is perfected in union with God and divinity. And that's why, um, that's the difference between the purpose of kenosis or self-emptying in Christianity versus um, the Eastern philosophies. Like, you don't just empty yourself to be emptied. Right. You empty yourself to be filled with right. the divinity. That's right. the yeah. process of theosis. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what hesychasm is versus mm-hmm. the quietism of of the Far East. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that the important point there is we as Christians can use other practices. We have to be careful with it. And I wouldn't sure. just go around yeah. reading, you know, some practice, you know, some book about Confucius. Whatever, but but what's her <laughs> The Art of War? Is that okay? That's not Confucius. That's not Confucius. First of all, Confucius is just fine. Confucius is just <laughs> fine. No, no. But my, but my point here is, is that do it with an understanding of the mind of the church. Yeah, right. right. Don't just do it on your own. Do it within the mind. And of maybe the look to look to some learned, you know, saintly writers, Christian writers in the Christian tradition who have taken a hard look at some of these other traditions and, and t- discovered ways to integrate them. So, for example, right. mm-hmm. I came across a book recently on centering prayer, which is very controversial. And I don't really know what centering prayer is, but I'll tell you that looking through this book, my biggest beef with it wasn't that it was like demonic or whatever. It was just that it wasn't rigorous. It seemed like a slap together compilation of Eastern and Western ideas without like true attention to the nuances Mm -hmm. of those non-Christian traditions. And so like that's the exactly what Dean's saying. That's the last thing you want to do is just like walk around and sort of pick up whatever you like. Like perhaps a little bit of Buddhism in the morning, and then maybe I'll do some Hinduism. <laughs> and then, you know what? Uh, I think some of that uh, the Tao Te Ching would be good in the afternoon. Like no, like you want to be very deliberate uh, with what you do, and you want to have some teachers to help you through that. I think like a spiritual director would be a good. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I have a a favorite book on Christian meditation that um, I read quite a bit ago, and it's by James Finley. And a couple reasons why I love this book is, one, he's currently a psychologist, but he used to be a monk at the Abbey of Gethsemane in northern Kentucky, and he was there with Thomas Aquinas. Thomas sorry, Merton. Thomas Merton. That's a big mistake. <laughs> All right. They're both, they're both Thomas. You mentioned Thomas Aquinas earlier, so that's what got me. Um, Is there with Thomas the Apostle? So I, I yeah, like okay. it because he's almost doing what we do in a way of combining the psychological with the spiritual. And one of the reasons why I love his book on Christian meditation is here's this monk that is at a monast- uh, abbey, and basically it's a si- it's completely silent, you know, they're, they don't talk. And he struggles with mindfulness, meditation, mm. being present moment on a daily basis for years. Like, it's a struggle for him. And when I think about that, if, if he couldn't do it well, like... Like, how are we supposed to, mm-hmm. to do it well? And, and, and so whenever, you know, I approach clients about doing it, and they're like, I'm not doing it right. I keep doing this. And both. like, but the it's okay. The experts can't do it either. The experts can't do it either. There's not a, a perfect way to do it. And I just kind of want to just kind of mention some of the things that he says in it, because as we're talking about, you know, replacing, not completely emptying ourselves, but replacing it with God. He has a beautiful quote that, you know, being 
he always says being present, open, and awake. Those are the three steps. Mm-hmm. So present moment, being open to receiving God and being awake to his presence. And he says, for God made our hearts in such a way that only God will do. Or we might say infinite love made our hearts in such a way that only infinite union with infinite love will do. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So we're going, kind of going back to... Um, like it's like Augustinian kind of yeah. thing. Like our, mm-hmm. our, hearts, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And so I love that quote from him. But also, he kind of even says a mindfulness practice from... Psalm forty six ten of be still and know I am God. Oh, totally. So he is already instructing us in the Psalms to learn how to be still and learn how to be open, present, and awake to the presence of God. Know that he is God. And he even gives us a little um, mindfulness exercise of just sitting maybe even in front of the cross um, and just repeating that over and over again with our breath, right? Kind of like the Jesus prayer of be still and know that I am God and just kind of being open, present, and awake to whatever is taking place. I love that. When you guys do the Jesus prayer, how do you do the inhalations and exhalations? Just so curious. In with Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, out, have mercy Mercy. on me, a sinner. Yeah. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I feel like you do it different. Do you do it different? Well, He's well. Yeah. Let no, me no, tell you. I literally read the book on this. See, Gregory of Sinai, um, and again, you don't necessarily have to follow his, but um, it's the it's the oldest practice. Has a very rude, like a very rigorous way of doing it, where you are actually seated in a specific way. Mm-hmm. You actually pray in a very it's like on a staircase way. or something. Yeah. Like this. It's on a little stool it's or a, a pillow. A little stool. Yeah. Yeah. One right over there. Yeah, there you go. Um, it says like Job on the dunghill. I don't really know quite what you that means. You don't have to sit on a dunghill because don't. that sounds smelly. Oh, that'd be a very sensory um, experience. But, but the idea is, is that you breathe in Lord Jesus Christ, and you breathe out Son of God, and you breathe in Have mercy on me, and you breathe out a sinner. You have to say those words very slowly. You do. Yeah. Yes. And, 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 the, and the trick here is, is to not change your breathing for the sake of... Um, Keeping the words, because then you're just, uh, you know, keeping a certain speed with the prayer, because then you're just going to hyperventilate, and that's no. You know, the reason I asked this is the first time I heard you preach in your homily, you mentioned this. This is Mm -hmm. the reason I came up to you after Mass, is because you were, like, talking about this. It was, like, a kid's homily, and it was so funny, because you were like, and you know what, kids, we're doing some clinical trials on this right now to see if it's evidence-based technique in psychotherapy, and I was like, who is this deacon right now? I remember this Sunday, actually. Anyway, so, but what what struck me was like, wow, okay, Lord Jesus Christ in, Son of the living God out, have mercy on me in, a sinner out? Like, I'm sorry, but I'm a frenetic hyperactive westerner who's like Lord Jesus have mercy on me Lord Jesus Christ okay say it in your head not out loud <laughs> I know I know it but works. what I'm saying is yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I feel like I would have trouble going that slowly but I think that there's some amazing wisdom there just sure. in that well, well and St. John of Damascus says that breathe in Lord Je- you're breathing in Lord Jesus Christ right you're breathing out Son of God which I don't really understand you're breathing in mercy <laughs> have mercy on me and you're breathing out a sinner Okay. So that you're breathing in the Lord and you're breathing out your sin. Okay. I don't know if I'll change the way I do it to that. No, no, don't. But, no. but um, I definitely understand that Like, if you want a slower contemplation on those words, right. then that can definitely be helpful. I'm actually probably going to use that on the slopes this year. Yeah. 
just because I'm reading a book on how to learn to snowboard, and apparently your breathing is extremely important. Mm. And I'm like, oh, in order to make sure I'm breathing at a slow, uh-huh, relaxed uh-huh. pace, I'm just going to be the whole time going down the slopes. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Well, so that way, you know, if you wipe out, <laughs> you wipe out, you'll yeah. be you know, yeah. sort of a holy <laughs> state of grace. <laughs> um, well, and you know what's cool? I've actually had Catholic friends ask me, you know, is can I pray the rosary while I go jogging, while I run? Can mm-hmm. I do this or that prayer? And I, I usually tell them, I, I might not pray the rosary. Because that requires contemplation of the mysteries. Sure. It might be harder to contemplate the mysteries while running. But I, I'm curious your take on this, Deacon. I have found myself, I don't do I don't run like ever, but when I do, or when I have in the past, I would do the Jesus prayer on my yeah. in and out and my exhalation inhalation and exhalation. And I found that I, I didn't like lose sense of the prayer while I was <laughs> moving. No, and, and that was actually one of the intentions of it as well, is that it was so simple that you would then be I mean, there's this this great, um, actually, it was, it was all things. It was a sixty minutes. Um, yeah, I know, right? On Mount Athos. I've seen that. Um, and and it, why it's so cool is because you're not allowed to do anything on Mount Athos, right? It's it's like the center of Eastern yeah. Christian um, spirituality. And yeah. so women are not allowed to go there. Uh, Where is Mount Athos? Mount, Mount Athos is on. Uh, it's a peninsula on uh, Greece. Mm-hmm. Okay. Greece. Um, and so it's very, very structured, and like they asked in like the '80s if they could come, and mm-hmm. like just like in the mid 2000s, they were allowed to finally come. Yeah, they finally um, like opened the letter, and they're like, right. "Okay, we'll let them in." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, but but in that, you see the monks like picking fruit and stuff, and still praying the Jesus prayer. Yeah, that they're praying it all the time. And yeah. I think that's that's where you know, our answer to yeah. uh, in the East of how what St. Paul means by pray always. Sure. There, there's this scene where the, I forget, who's the guy, who was the guy from 60 Minutes? I, I should know this. Anyway, the, the interviewer is like, so tell me, like, what do you do? We, the monk says, we pray. And the interviewer is like, you pray all the time? And the monk says, yes, we pray all the time. And the interviewer is like, are you praying right now? And the monk is like, yeah. <laughs> I can't stop. I think it's what yeah, it's, about. it's just so beautiful and it's so like honest. Like yeah. these monks are, and that's exactly right. That's their world. Right. Is yeah. the Jesus prayer. Yeah, and it's beautiful and wonderful. But even being able to do that while you're sitting at a red light, while you're cleaning the kitchen, yep. while you're doing all these day-to-day activities of just all of a sudden being present. All of these kinds of techniques are really helpful and can really incorporate that. Yeah. But I do. I mean, with just three minutes left, I do want to talk about some other kinds of mindfulness practices yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Ooh. you had one that you you uh, were talking about earlier. So. I am obsessed with square breathing. So square breathing is a technique used by the special forces, by first responders, policemen, firefighters, um, people who are repeatedly introduced to um, intense situations. So where your adrenaline is likely to take over your brain. So in order to combat that and to stay in control of your um, Mm -hmm. sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, it's this pattern of four beats in, hold it for four beats, breathe out for four beats, and hold for four beats. Right. So, mm-hmm. Pass me that drum. We can do it right now. <laughs> yeah. right. I'm but, serious. But, but, but the idea being that it, it in two, three, four, hold. Well, it would be slower than that. But in two, three, three four, four, hold two, three. I would like four. our listeners to try this. this with Sarah doing the breathing, and I'll do a little. Breathe in two, three, four. Hold two, three, four. Breathe out two, three. 
four, hold, two, three, four. This is one of my favorite techniques to do when I'm stressed out in traffic, when I'm about to give a presentation in class, um, anytime I'm nervous, when I'm walking up for a date. That's when, when you say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on <laughs> <laughs> No, that's when I say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on this poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think the point there is that that, that is a mindfulness thing that is bringing down yeah. that, um, that sympathetic nervous system, yeah. engaging the parasympathetic. That fight or flight that. response. That fight or flight yeah. Response. Right. yeah. And I can feel my brain um, get back to a place of control. Like, I can mm -hmm. feel it, something yeah. click. And I like feel my entire being just sit up straighter right. and be like, okay, I am back in control, yeah. and my lungs are not panicking anymore. And you anymore. used a really important word, control, and I feel like most of the time anxiety heightens when we feel a loss of control. Exactly. So any small way we can feel like we gain control in a situation, mm -hmm. then anxiety is going to go way low right. and, and decrease. And before, before we go... I just want to mention, I love finding little ways to practice my mindfulness in the day-to-day -day life, and I think um, prayer is a wonderful way to do that, but I also feel like just in every little day things that we do, we can find ways to even be more present to our body and what we're experiencing and not just move from thing to thing. And sometimes that can be your coffee or tea in the morning. Like, mm -hmm. make sure to, like, feel the cup in your hands. Smell it. See it. Feel what it tastes like when it goes down. Like, really be present. Be present. And yeah. that, or even a simple way, like, keep lotion by you and just rub your hands. Like, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling kind of just kind of worked up a little bit, just take some lotion, rub it through your hands, feel what it feels like, smell it, kind of just be really, help it get you into that present moment of something, mm -hmm. what's going on with you. I think that's a DBT technique, a yes. dialectical behavioral technique. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which is like, it combines a lot of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would love us to close with the words of our Lord. It's the don't be anxious section yeah. from the Sermon on the Mount. And so earlier in the podcast, Sheree was saying mindfulness brings you into what? The past, the future, or... Yeah. The present. present the yeah. present. So this is uh, this is Jesus right now. <clears throat> he says in Matthew 5:25, "Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap, or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them." Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore... Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own troubles be sufficient for the day. Thank you, Chris. Sufficient is the day for its own evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all. Uh, we'll see you. I guess that's enough. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Psyche. Go be mindful. <laughs>